0: Anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Part 11 of Thorstein of the Mirror by W.G. Collingwood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 28. White Rose and Red. Now the third day of the feast had come when the guests bethought them of going their ways homewards. Thorstein went out with Astis to catch her nag for her, and to set her on the way with Asmund and his men, but when they got up to the fell pasture where the horses were, thralls were cutting wood from the stubs in the coppice hard by, and just as Thorstein was laying hold of the nag, what should he see but a poor, thin, gaunt figure in rags among the woodcutters, carrying a huge load of sticks and the red hair hanging down unkempt over her face. One of the men, in rough horseplay, as rude rascals do with a strange new fellow-servant, put out his foot, and let her trip over it, and tumble with the load and all. Then another went up to her, and cursed her for a fool, and gave her a kick. Thorstein flew at them, and it was right for one and left for t'other, and down they went, heels over head, one with a broken jaw and one with bloody nose. Thorstein picked up the lass and would have kissed her, but she fought herself loose and struggled away. Raniach, he cried. Raniach! She turned and looked at him in his finery. Then she looked at Astis, who had come up, staring. Then she looked down at her tatters and black bare feet and fingers. Astis put her hand on Thorstein's shoulder, eh what breaks she giggled and then burst into shrieks of laughter thorstein shook off her hand and darted after the ragged lass who fled through the wood oh raineach he cried after her in her own language raineach my darling forgive me forgive me listen to me only hear me stay raineach only stay and hear me poor little thing she was too weak and ill to run far, and stopped at bay under a ridge of rock in the wood. But still she kept him off with her hands, while she wept and laughed and wept again. Thorstein grovelled on the moss before her, and poured out his heartful of passionate words, blaming himself for knave and fool, and excusing himself by telling her what had passed, and how his mother had promised to have her well bestowed in a thrall's cot, out of the way of the store of the guests and how he could not come nigher till they were gone and over and over again he said it till he had no more to say at last he lay quite still sobbing bitterly what's all this shouted a rough voice through the wood it was orme look here young fellow don't go knocking my thralls about i'll thank you to learn manners if you mean to stay And who is this ugly goblin I'd like to know? Thorstein was on his feet in a moment, and Ragnach in his arms as if they had never parted. She is my sister, kinsman, the child of my foster-father, and I give thee to know that there's not a lass in the land to match her. One would think the giants had fostered thee, Barn, said Orm, using the old byword and laughing scornfully. Then beware of the giants' fosterling. Well,— come and show thy mother what a prize thou hast got ay that i will and all the world answered thorstein as she nestled to him and clung to him sobbing no more but tall and straight and proud in her rags and dirt and then he led her to Greenodd house whence all the guests had gone away and speaking in her tongue told his mother who she was and his mother answered him and spoke to her words that she could hear and that made her weep for gladness. And when she was washed and fed and dressed in clothes from Thorstein's own store, simple things that Astis had not cared to take, she sat by the fire, while Thorstein told them, far into the night, the story of his wanderings and of her kindness to him. As the story went on, Una drew nearer to her the child, that wondered and understood naught of the tale but what she guessed from their glances until her head was on the good mother's lap, and from her eyes half shut, the tears crept out, and threw the great red mane upon the kind hands that petted her. When Thorstein had done, Hundi kissed him, and Orm came over out of the high seat he was proud to keep, and held out his hand. "'Kinsman,' he said, "'let bygones be bygones.' "'Why?' said Thorstein, holding his brother's hand. "'What is there to forgive?' But Una said, in the soft erst tongue, that came back to her like a dream of childhood, Many a time have I prayed wiles to the All-Father, and wiles to the white Christ for a little lass, though I dared tell no soul else of the folly. And he has heard me, whoever it is hears poor folk's prayers. He has taken my man to himself, and he has sent me this bonny maid. Chapter 29 raniach at greenod it was not all plain sailing though the start was fair they tell how once upon a time a lad brought home a wild kitling from the woods and nursed it up among the house cats by the hearth so it was at greenod with raniach with the best will in the world she found it hard to learn their ways and quite beyond her to follow them at first there was the labour of a new speech to get thorstein had picked up her talk with ease but she could never frame her lips to the strange sounds nor force her thoughts into the words of the north folk she would be eager to chatter and brimful of news or wonderment or recollection or explanation helping herself out with gestures and the forcefulness of her native manner unlike the slow steadiness of the northern delivery and strange to them and disquieting and in the midst of it all A word wrongly spoken, and drolly misinterpreting her meaning, would set them all roaring with laughter, at which she would be vexed and sulk, for her people were grave and staid, though forceful and rapid in speech and gesture, while the Northmen, slow of speech and drawling, were ready with rough jokes and childish fooling. So she took their laughter in bad part, and they took her glumping for the sign of a bad heart, and Thorstein had work enough to come between them all. And then she could never learn the deft neatness of their household ways, their cleanliness in kitchen and dairy, and tidiness of table and chamber, and handy management of needle and shuttle and rock. If there were doubt in their counsels, mishap with beasts or men, or any grave trouble befalling, who but Reniach was run to for help? for she kept her head while the other women-folk were shrieking and scurrying and she was dry-eyed while they were weeping or sober while they giggled like fools but even for that they thought worse of her as one who had not the feelings of other folk and never laughed nor greeted when she ought nor was shocked like a decent lass nor disgusted like a dainty one and that bush of red hair was never dressed for long and her kirtle was torn and cobbled up coarsely and her kerchief awry and her work fouled with losing and leaving in corners and crumpling in hasty forgetfulness and if sometimes she was the pride of them all for her tall slim strength and her bright bonny face with the proud high-set cheek and brent brow and with the earnest friendliness that shone in her eyes at other while she was dismal and the light faded out of her and she was no better than a draggled-tailed slut they said and then nothing healed her but a run with thorstein on the fell and unmaidenly scraffling among the beasts or rough pulling and hauling at the boat sheds with hundy and the shipwrights unna would often say over to herself how much she owed the lass for thorstein's sake and how much she might do for the lass to bring her into shape and so schooled herself to be good to her but it was not always easy to keep back a sharp word, and a sharp word spoiled everything thorstein too was a puzzle to them. Every indoor business he shirked and cared only for herding and boating and the rough work of the farm. He had been so long on the fells that quiet life came amiss to him, and often by the fireside at nights, as that winter wore, he would fidget and worry until he found a call for turning out, so that even the shepherds bade him leave them in peace to look after their own job. Then he took to hunting, and they owned he was a famous hunter. He would fish in the firth day and night, and all weathers, as if he had a bear's warmth in him. They were glad of the fish he brought home, but it was irksome to have him bring in his dripping self along with it, to reek and simmer by the hearth when all was red up and snug for the evening folk must do as folk do said they behind his back but when they said it to his face he looked ugly and Una dreaded a fight with orm one of those days so the knights wore on to yule and then came a messenger from over the fell to bid the greenodd folk to asmundar for the feast-tide and over and above that said he my mistress astis bade thee in especial thorstein sweinson and charge thee to bring the young may for she would fain know her and make a sister of her when raineach understood that this was the lass that had laughed at her on that dreadful day which nobody ever named she said flatly that she would not go but unna begged hard and told her that the lass was good at heart and meant all kindly and that it would be a feather in her cap to win such a friend so raineach dared say no more though she loathed the journey. But Thorstein found her some right bonny fairings, and tricked her out as never was, and Raniach was child enough to be proud of her attire, and said in her heart she would be a match for them all, and they took her on a nag like any lady, and rode over the fell, and were received heartily, and all went well at first. Astis was a handsome lass in her way, less tall and strong than Raniach, but far more snod and neat and womanlike, Rannyac at her best was a wildwood goddess, and at her worst she was a grey-faced tattling again. But Asdis was always the same, blithe and bonny.